KLVZ and KLVZ HD Brighton, KLVZ FM on 94.3 and 95.3 and streaming at legends953.com. Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And we are back. I told you it wouldn't last very long. And by gum, by golly, here we are back here on Legends 810. We should start off this hour with the Garden Wise Wise Advice. Oh, please, oh, when, Wise when, when and if the time should come, sell only one of your kidneys. <laughs> Don't get talked into two. Yeah, they'll be calling you for your expired warranty. <laughs> Yeah, but then the Undertaker comes next. Yeah, exactly. So uh, heed that you, uh, advice. Have you aerated your lawns la- yet? No, we haven't. I haven't either. But uh, right. I leave it up to my wife. She's in charge of the lawn. Okay. Well, there's still plenty of time. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. great time to do aeration, especially we, if you're going to do some winterizer fertilizer. Do the aeration just before. Yeah, we will for for sure next spring. Mm-hmm. This fall, I I don't know. It's you know according to her schedule. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, I mean, you can do it in spring and fall. You you could, <clears throat> especially if you've got a fairly old, an older lawn. Yeah. And uh, maybe some sloping areas, especially south and west sl- facing slopes, or areas along sidewalks and driveways that get compacted because people don't stay on the paved areas. Those are good places to aerate twice a year, if you, if you can. Yeah. Or just. Put gravel in there. Oh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I don't like gravel either. I don't. I don't. It's just terrible. Yeah. Although I am learning to deal with growing in gravel uh, because I'm, I just, I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pull all this gravel <clears throat> out. It's just too hard. Yeah. You got and several layers. I have several gravel. layers of gravel with plas- actual plastic, not fabric. Or fabric in between. But plastic. Black plastic that looks as good today as it did when they put it in, probably. Yeah, it's yeah. still shiny black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and still not letting any water in no, there. No, it's not. It is not. <clears throat> and having to dig through all of that, I, I just dig the gravel into the soil. I get the plastic out of there. But I just dig this, the gravel into the soil. I figured the roots can grow around it. <laughs> yeah. Put up with it. <laughs> yeah. And so far, it's been fine. I haven't had a problem with it. In other areas where I'm not, where I don't want to see the the gravel beds, I just let the pine needles and everything cover yeah, it. Yeah, cover it up. <clears throat> yep. yep. I suppose you could throw mulch over it if you wanted to. Yeah, you don't you have to do take that. the gravel out. No. No, you don't have to. But I don't like that black plastic. Oh, I don't. Either. I don't like that. I don't like any kind of stuff under there but that's just me yeah i've, I've stopped using any kind of fabric except no. if you're putting maybe down a, <coughs> a brick paver well yeah you got or yeah. sidewalk or that sort mm-hmm. of thing you want to keep the weeds out they they do that under asphalt driveways 
I'm mm-hmm. uh, sorry. At, well, that too. But asphalt roads yeah. are putting fabric down. Mm-hmm. They find out the asphalt on top of that lasts a lot longer. Yeah. Keeps things from moving around. Yep. But not everybody does it. I don't know why. What can I say? Yeah, if you're putting in a flagstone patio or a, <clears throat> a brick patio or paver patio, it's nice to put the fabric down because it keeps the worms out. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a patio where the worms come up in the cracks between the yeah. individual pavers and then they make these mounds, it's irritating. I mean, worms, nice. Mounds, no. <laughs> okay. You need some moundless worms. Yeah. Oh, dear. Hey, I'm a little disappointed in that I've been looking, searching, have not found any new coneflowers that have been released on the market, boy, for over a month now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they weren't getting into winter. So releasing one now isn't going to do a whole lot of good. No, they're going to wait till spring yeah. and create a buzz then. So so we're, we're, we're holding probably firm at 738. Okay. I just find that number amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of varieties of things, I mentioned earlier that I would give you some names of some of the dwarf Russian sage varieties that yes. are easy to find here in Denver mm-hmm. uh, at the garden centers. Uh, a nice replacement for the big old-fashioned one that can get out of hand. These are dwarf varieties that will stay three feet or less in height. Uh, one of them is called Little Spire, S-P-I-R-E, Little Spire. Another one called <coughs> Denim and lace. So it's denim and then the letter N and then the word lace. And then the last one I have is blue jean baby. Those three should be fairly easy. I had no problem finding them what was the locally. First, what was the first one called? Little Spire. <coughs> oh, okay. The last two have been named, were named by the same guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How do you know that? Oh, I got denim in it. Denim and lace and blue jean baby. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah. yeah, I can see that connection. I'll, I'll bet you it was the same guy. There. Maybe so. <laughs> Invented both of them. And I'm sure there are more. I'm sure there are oh, more yeah. varieties out there. <clears throat> Those are just I'm the sure. three that I know are readily available here in the Denver market. I'll bet there aren't 738 of them. I'll bet they're not. I'd be surprised if there were 12. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How many other plants, uh, garden plants, do you suppose there are? Over 700. Uh, Iris comes to mind. Daylilies. Easy. Daylilies. Roses. Ro- oh, okay. roses way beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Heuchera. Coral bells. Oh, they're getting there, yes. Yeah, hosta. <laughs> there are lots of them. Lots of hostas. <clears throat> Those come to mind. But I'm sure there's... Have you seen pictures others. of people who collect hostas? I have. They're Typically back east, mm-hmm. and they grow them under trees, typically. Or in pots. And the entire landscape is filled with a couple trees and hostas and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Of every size imaginable. Some of them are giant leaves. I, I, typically, I, I have this show that I like to watch. It's a, it's a show from the U.K. Mm-hmm. And there they have real problems with slugs and snails, yeah. not like... The puny little <coughs> problems we have here. Yep. There, it's the ground is crawling with them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they're big. Too. And they love hostas. Yeah. Uh, so people who collect hostas there typically grow them in pots above ground. Uh, um, well, of course, pots are typically above ground, <laughs> but a raised pots off the ground. Ah. To 
in an effort to keep the the slugs out and you know copper strips and yeah they go to all kind wool <laughs> really lamb's wool um, they'll put on the ground apparently slugs don't like that huh. I don't particularly care for the look of that looks kind of but I could see odd. how you could put a copper wire around the base somehow and it would be unobtrusive mm-hmm. it wouldn't take a very big piece of copper wire yeah that or the, they have <coughs> copper tape available. Well, that, yeah. It's about half an inch wide. Uh, that used to be very, very popular until the price of copper went up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so they're coming up with me. But the, but the paper infused with copper, what, however, mm-hmm. whatever the proper word is there, would work as well. Yeah. Yep. Something about an electrical charge. Or yep. The slugs don't like to crawl over copper. So buy some copper pots. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and they used to have those, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and those don't last long at all with soil in them. No. No, they just get eaten up pretty fast. But, boy, are there some cool hostas out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still waiting for some good red ones, red-leafed ones coming in. Mm-hmm. I have one that has red stems. Yeah. But it doesn't really extend up into the foliage. It's a matter of time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they've done it with Chinese evergreens, the aglaonemas. Mm-hmm. Bright red leaves, oh, almost like yeah. a caladium. Yep, yep. Really nice. Of course, you have to pay, pay a big price for them, too. Uh, They're not cheap. True. But they will be eventually when they figure out how to tissue culture them. So lots of fun things coming up uh, in the future in horticulture with some new varieties. Right now we have Jolene on the line who wants to talk to us um, about watering trees. Good morning, Jolene. Good morning. How Hi. are you? Just dandy. What's going on with you today? Well, um, I, when I got back to Denver, I noticed I was trying to take out some of my plantings flowers from the the season, and it and they're just coming out in clumps, and it's almost impossible to get them out. And I noticed how dry everything is. Yeah. Have we not had enough rain or rain? What's that? <laughs> this is Colorado. That's Colorado. Um, you did tell me that's the same thing when I was when I was um, in North Dakota. You said now make sure that you water it enough in case you don't get enough rain. Well, two days before I left, well the week before I left, I got two inches one day and then two and a half the next. So I thought, wow. yeah, four and a half is good enough. And especially since there's been a dr- you know they've had a severe drought. Sure. And so th- they've gotten more rain and in September and October than they got almost all of last year. Well, i tell you what, here in Colorado, we are, compared to other parts of the country, if, if, if people in Virginia got the amount of water that we get in one year and are happy with of 12 inches, um, they would consider themselves in a severe drought all the time. Yeah. And if, and if that went on for two years in a row, most of their plants would be dead. Yeah. 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 Well, the the, the crops... Uh, mostly were um, didn't do anything, and so because uh, we buy crop insurance, and it was a total loss. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, so that's pretty hard on them. But the good news was is that <clears throat> because of all the rain, the the crops that had been taken off are now coming back with grass. So anybody that had cattle and didn't sell them all mm-hmm. was able to. Um, put them out on on the their fields. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a good thing. Well, I'm a, I guess I've been on farm too long. So anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, 
So, yeah, what I noticed back when I was here that it's just been, um, it seems really dry because I could dig, barely dig down. It is very dry, yeah. We, okay, we really so haven't had much of any moisture to speak of. Okay. So I probably should, I was going to turn on the ecosystem again today <clears throat> and get the yards watered and stuff after we pull up some of the leaves. So... Anyway, you were, is the autumn blaze, is that like a Janella maple? No, that's a, um, it, it's, see, autumn blaze, I think it's a hybrid. Yeah, it's a silver maple, silver red maple, maple. red maple hybrid. Okay, because yeah. mm, I have a Janella maple, and it usually gets really bright red, yes. and it didn't do that this year. That might be because it was too dry. Yeah, okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, okay, that's what my job is today and tomorrow as well, <laughs> that yeah, the other lady so okay yeah when you get done watering uh take your take your trowel or your shovel out there and dig down in a couple spots and see just how far that water went down i think you'll be surprised yeah and it doesn't yeah. go down very far nope well how could it it's hard as a rock well, yeah <laughs> that too and, and if you can measure how much water you're putting down in yeah. inches in inches in inches yeah tuna can thing yeah tuna can yep Okay. Cat food can. Yep. Yeah, we've been losing we've been losing a little over half an inch of water a week now, which is a whole lot better than it used to be. We were losing a couple oh. of inches a week. Yep. But now we're losing about I have point point six eight inches yep. this last week. Yeah. At DIA was point six six. So yep. So we're so we've been losing water, not gain. Okay. Oh no, we're not. We never gain no. water. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's ever gone into the positive. I don't think so either. <laughs> soil and and different and and different ways of moisture and everything from from north dakota to here oh absolutely oh, yeah. uh-huh so anyway okay well i appreciate you y'all so um i will talk to you later all right all thanks right. Jolene. thank you thank you mm-hmm. bye speaking of water precipitation per year i have a brother that lives in tucson and uh, he emailed me a couple couple days ago and said wettest year ever Mm-hmm. in tucson okay and how many how uh, many inches oh boy it, not much not much <laughs> no <laughs> not even close to our low here last year we only got eight inches here yeah and we had a wet spring this year here. yeah i i just made a note i'm going to check for next week uh, how much for our precipitation level is for 2021 yeah i think we're going to be below average yeah, as dry as the summer and the fall has been, I don't think that uh, all that water we got in the spring, well, of course, well, it, it, it doesn't help during the summer. We had it in the <coughs> spring. It got used in the yeah, spring. Yeah. That didn't help in the summer. I looked at the drought map, and I think the uh, eastern part of Colorado was in a mild drought right now. Mm, yeah. The western side is in a more severe, I don't think it's severe, it's whatever, moderate drought or something. There's categories. It's not oh, I'm that, sure. It's yeah. not that deep, deep, almost black color on the map <laughs> <laughs> indicating that hasn't rained here in 20 years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Our telephone number here is 303-477-2473. Learn it, live it, love it. Just like Pat did. She's ready to talk to us about cutting down pampas grass. Good morning, Pat. Hi there. Hi. I've got a real issue. It's about 10 foot tall pampas grass. Uh-huh. It blew in from it blew in from the neighbors. I love it, but now it's probably time to cut it down. And I want to know 
how close to the ground, and is this the right time? Well, I'd say most people leave the pampas grass up, the hardy pampas grass. They leave it up during the winter because it's fairly decorative until the snow beats it up, and then at that point you yeah. can cut it down. Uh, but you can cut it down now if you want to. I'd cut it down to about six or eight inches tall. Okay. Boy, it's a real job. Those things are like wood. That's right. Those are like wood. Well, you know what you do? <laughs> what I what I found works really well is to take some twine and, and wrap it up into a nice tight bundle before you cut it. And then below where, you, below where you tied it up, use a tree saw and cut it off with a tree saw rather than trying yes. to use loppers or pruners. Yes, at age 80, that's a real problem on a slope with yeah. river rock. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, I do love it. I, it. And I blew in. I didn't have to do anything. It comes up every year, and I'm thrilled with it. But I think it's just uh, 10 feet tall is a little bit much. So um, anyway, my other question was, what is there to do about rabbits just eating everything? Everything. Well, yeah, we covered that earlier. And one of the methods that uh, Keith uses, I should let him tell you, Let's, let's see if I remember anything. <laughs> he uses a rabbit repellent, uh, a granular, and sprinkles, sprinkles that around. It's called liquid fence. Except, okay. it's, it's, Except it's granules. granules yeah. <laughs> it's not liquid. And it, if you know where their nest is, is that the best place uh, to they, they nest only, you know, it's only a temporary nest. It, that, it, they don't use that every year or all year long. I well, wonder about burrows, though. It's under my stoop in back. Yeah, they they and do use that all year long. Yeah, there's just a yeah. Real I'd i put some granules in that. there. Oh, absolutely! Just throw some granules in there. Okay, and what what's the name of it again? Liquid fence. Liquid fence. Okay. But granule. Okay. Use the granules. Okay, and is that toxic at all for anything? Not at all. No. Okay, liquid fence. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Okay, bye-bye. I can't guarantee that it's going to work for everybody, but it's worked so far for my stupid rabbits. Yeah. I wish my neighbor used liquid fence. Instead, he built a wooden fence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I can't see anything in his yard. Oh. I know. Only one in the neighborhood, in the entire neighborhood. Yeah. And he's going to put it around his entire house. <clears throat> And he thinks that's going to keep the rabbits out, huh? Oh, I have no idea what his purpose is. Oh, okay. I'm sure he has one, but I don't know what it is. He Som- just bought the house. Somebody needs to get into the business of rent-a-fox. On long leashes. On long leashes, that's right. <clears throat> that would be nice. Or you could hmm, put a call, put electric collar on them and put an electric fence in. <laughs> I don't think yeah, they pay in, attention. In-ground fence. Yeah. fence. They probably just ignore that. Yeah. I mean, I know dogs who ignore it. They just, if they pick up a good head of steam, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're gone. They can go right through it. <clears throat> yeah, if there's a rabbit on the other side, baby, they're gone. Yeah. Because <laughs> it only shocks just momentarily mm-hmm. as they're jumping over it. You get enough... Enough motivation. That's right. It doesn't take much. They get ahead of steam, man. They're going. All right. Well, we've got to take a quick break uh, for the top for the first break of our hour, and then we're going to come back and talk to Bob about bulbs. <coughs> 
and other things getting frozen in the ground. Oh, we haven't approached that yet, but we're on our way there, and we'll discuss that, and I hope a lot more here on Legends A10. Have you been waiting for that last application of fertilizer for the yard? Well, Fertilome has the solution for that. Fertilome Winterizer. Winterizer is the most important application of the entire year. Never skimp on this application. A number of years ago, Fertilome examined university studies of winterlizer formulas and created a special winterlizer for our area. This special formula is quickly and easily converted to stored food for your turf to help it make it through the unpredictable winter months. In the spring, a yard that has Fertilome winterlizer applied to it in the fall will be the fullest, darkest green yard on the block. You'll find Fertilome Winterlizer at your favorite independent garden retailer, including The Tree Farm in Longmont, Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, Nick's Garden Center in Aurora. To find the closest Fertilome dealer, go to www.fertilome.com. That's www.fertilome.com. And be sure to tell them that the Garden Wise guys sent you. And we are back. We're about to take your questions here as soon as we get ourselves motivated. Do we need a, 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 a cup of motivation <laughs> a over cup, here? A kick in the pants. However, uh, uh, having mentioned that, there are things we can celebrate today. <clears throat> One of which is Slap Your Annoying Coworker Day. You can do that? Well, I think you should be careful. I think so, too. <laughs> I don't know why. Find yourself you in a heap of trouble. Of that. <clears throat> did you know this one? I didn't know. I never thought about it. But if I did thought, think about it, I would have probably have said, yeah. Swallows, you know, they go to Capistrano. Mm -hmm. they, they come on a certain day. Well, mm -hmm. it's not quite all of them on that day, but close. They depart from San Juan Capistrano on a particular day. Is that right? Yeah. How do they know? I how do the swallows know to I do that? I don't know. I don't know. Another master's thesis. There must, I know, there must be another, a lead bird someplace. A king bird. Not the king bird, but a alpha king bird. bird. An yeah, alpha, alpha bird. bird yeah. That tells all the rest of the birds what to do and when. Because vultures come into Colorado. I don't know if they come on a particular day. But I think it's close. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if they leave on the same day. Well, and hummingbirds. They always come in pretty early. They before, do. Before you think they would. Yeah, they're, they're stupid that way. <laughs> and, and some of them don't leave until long after the first snow. Yeah. I haven't seen them in my yard, though, lately. No, I haven't. I expect to any time they'll be traveling through. I think they've already traveled through. Oh, there's always hangovers. They're just layovers. No, those are the dumb ones. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't pay for their luggage or something. It's just <laughs> they'll be here a while. Flights have been canceled. Sorry. <clears throat> well, let's get out to the phones. We've got uh, three open lines, and you can take one of them if you 303-477-2473. And let's go see what Bob is up to right now out in Aurora. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. 
Hey there. Howdy, howdy. Uh, I've got a question. I have a. Uh, I listened to you guys a few, uh, about a month ago about the planting fall bulbs. Uh huh. For the like the tulips and stuff, and it's it's in the raised um, garden bed, so I don't have to bend over. Mm-hmm. And it's like a four foot, uh, four foot long, and probably fourteen inches deep. Okay. And I've been, like you said, like been keeping the uh, the dirt moist. Okay. But during the winter, if that happens to freeze, will that ruin the roots? Oh, uh, what are the, what's the bed made out of? Is it a wooden frame? It's a, a plastic bed. Oh, the sides are plastic. Yeah. Okay. And you said about fourteen inches deep. Yes. Okay. Uh, you, you'll probably be fine. I mean, even in the ground, um, you know, the bulbs are only planted between four and six, seven inches deep anyway, and and we typically freeze deeper than that in the soil, uh, in the ground. Uh, it's just in a raised bed, they're a little bit more uh, exposed to colder temperatures than what would happen in the ground. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a problem for them to freeze, but if, if, if we freeze and we have some temperatures down into the negative, uh, you know, negative 10, negative 20 for any period of time, that, that can be a problem, especially the bulbs that are planted close to the edges. Uh, the ones toward the middle probably won't be as affected. Oh, okay. All righty. That, that's my guess. Um, yeah, right. That, that's what I would think would be the logical way to go. But, yeah, bulbs freeze in the ground uh, all the time. Every winter they freeze in the ground, and that doesn't hurt. Okay. Them. I got you. All righty, sir. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Well, thanks for calling. You bet. Goodbye. Yeah, we got to get away from thinking that freezing is is the ultimate condition that determines a lot of this. Yeah. It's not freezing. It's temperatures lower than freezing. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, temperatures slightly above freezing that are the ultimate determinants. True. Yeah. And, and like I said, for all these plants, whether they're bulbs or perennials or trees and shrubs, if they're in the ground, uh, there's a... There's a huge mass there to moderate those temperatures, and yeah. they don't drop much below freezing at all. You don't have to get on very far before the temperature is like 55 degrees. Exactly. And stays that way forever. Mm-hmm. But in a raised container, in a raised bed. Different, different, different story. Different story, yeah. yeah. So some years you'll be fine, mm-hmm. and then some years you'll wonder, where is everything? Yeah, everything's dead. Mush under there. <laughs> yeah. Not because they froze, but because they went below freezing considerably. Yeah, below their tolerance yep. level. And, and every plant, every variety of plant, I'm assuming, yep. has a little different tolerance. If you want a generalization for, and this applies to woody plants only, uh, most of the roots of woody plants, no matter what part of the world they come from, uh, excluding tropical plants, um, are hardy only to 20 to 25 degrees. If it gets lower than that, they start dying. And we're talking about the soil temperature getting soil to that, temperature. not the air temperature. Now, there are exceptions, um, and don't ask me what they are, because this is, this is one of those <clears throat> situations that it has not been studied very well at all. Mm-hmm. I have a whole long list of root-killing temperatures for a long list of plants, almost none of which you've ever heard of. 
<laughs> so the research has been done in other parts of the world. Yeah. So it doesn't help us much here. That's true. So when you're trying to grow things in containers like uh, perennials and woody plants, you're taking a a big chance here in this in this part of the country. Yeah. And oftentimes, just the the uh, <clears throat> the material that the container is made of. Yeah, everything makes can a make difference. a difference as far as creating a thermal break. Yeah. Or having any insulating value, uh, plastic, not so much. Not so much. Ceramics, not, not so, so much. much. Wood, a little better. Yeah, definitely. And Wood if your container is up against the house, big difference. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you, if you're wintering things in containers, move them up against a north wall. Move everything. Just cluster all the pots up against a north wall. Uh, if you don't have a north wall, you can do it on go to an east wall. But try to avoid south and west facing walls. Uh, it, it seems counterintuitive, <coughs> but you don't want them heating up during the day and then freezing at night and then heating up the next yeah. day and freezing that night. That's really hard on plants. Yeah, if you can put insulation around those pots that you put up against those walls, mm -hmm. that would be even better. And yeah. what works? Almost anything. Uh, bags of leaves work pretty good. Yeah, rake them up in bags and pile them around the pots. Yep. That will help. But keep the top open so that you mm -hmm. have access to make sure <coughs> that you're watering during the winter. Because those containers will dry out. They will. And that's another killer, is that letting them dry out. That'll kill them faster than the cold. So if you have any questions about uh, what you're going to do over the winter, give us a call. We've got plenty of experience in killing things. <laughs> I've got some <laughs> pots in the backyard that are made of a high-density foam. Mm -hmm. They're lightweight. They're big pots. And they look fantastic. They look very realistic, but they're made of foam, and foam is a very good insulator. Yep. And I've wintered things through in those easily, including hydrangeas. Oh, what also makes a difference is the volume of soil in your pot. Yes. A six Little pots, no. mm, forget it. Yeah. But really big pots, and we keep talking about a pretty good-sized pot. Yeah, I'm talking 20, 24-inch diameter yeah, pot. Yeah, not many people have those. No, <laughs> that's, that's as big as a, <clears throat> almost as big as a whiskey barrel hat. Yeah. So, any questions you have, why give us a call. Uh, don't ask us if your pot is uh, 13 and a half inches wide, if that's going to be the magic, <laughs> the width. Uh, I, sorry, we don't have those kind of calculations. No. <laughs> but I can tell you if it's a two and a half inch pot, uh, you're not gonna, it's not going to make it. Six inch pot, probably not going to make it. And then we get into, how cold is the winter going to be this, this winter, Keith? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Now, there, there are ways to professionals use to winter things over like that under frost yeah. blankets and what have you. And they're in three inch, four inch, six inch, five gallon pots, that sort of thing. Yep. But um, there's a science to that. Mm -hmm. Not many people want to look at that in their backyard or front yard. And it makes a difference what part of the country you're in. Mm -hmm. They know how to do it here in Colorado. But once you go up to North Dakota, it ain't going to work up there. Because there they experience 30 below zero mm -hmm. almost every winter. Yeah. And that's tougher to, to winter plants over in containers. And then when they're covered up like that, critters get underneath. That, you got another problem. Yes. <laughs> critters, indeed. <laughs> and then you have snow. Yeah. Snow helps, actually. Snow is a great insulating blanket. You can pile snow up against your, your plants. But it's those temperatures that are dropping down into the single digits and below. Yeah. That are really damaging. That and, and dryness. So 
plants that are nice and well watered and well hydrated going into those colder periods are much more likely to survive. No, we don't need to take a break. Oh, okay. Let's not take one then. No. What we need to do is go out and talk to Mordecai. Oh. Oh. Good morning, Mordecai. Hi, Mordecai. Mordecai, are you Mordecai, there? Mordecai, are you there? And if you're not, put one of your hamsters on. Uh, I am here. Can you hear me? I there can. we go. We can hear you now. Mordecai with Stump Removal and Daughter, somebody that we talk about all the time, most of the time in a positive manner. Most of the time. <laughs> And I appreciate that. And, and if you're honest and you're not positive about me, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I don't blame you. So uh, Mordecai, like I said, is with Stump Removal and Daughter. And they are the people that we like to recommend for removal of tree stumps from your yard, grinding them down and getting rid of them, but also uh, tree pruning. You do that as well. Yes, yes, we do. And we're getting kind of spooling up and getting ready for the uh, fruit tree uh, pruning season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and last year was was really really difficult on fruit trees. As uh, I'm sure all your uh, listeners that uh, have fruit trees have, have seen the uh, uh, some, to some extent devastation on these fruit trees. But uh, last year they were going to hibernation and then they were coming out the next day. And I know a couple of them moved up to uh, South Dakota just to get uh, away from the warm air. but uh yeah so we've uh we've come up with ways of of dealing with it if they if they're not deeply deeply into uh hibernation and um but uh the fruit trees are you know they're problematic here in colorado as you gentlemen well know they can be and they need to be pruned properly probably more so than any other kind of tree Absolutely, absolutely, and my guys are just—they're tremendous at, on them, and uh, we uh, prune them. Uh, anyway, we've had some really good experiences with uh, with the fruit trees, and and I'll tell you, we've had a banner year uh, business-wise this year again, and uh, and mostly or a good deal of it is is from the. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm always ready to say the wrong uh, radio station. Yeah. The, the station that we're on now uh and but the most enjoyable group of people that we have are you are the customers that come in from your show they are enjoyable and knowledgeable i i learn something new from every every time i go out because i'll say well that's an autumn place and they'll say no it's an autumn place but it's a left-handed one ah yes I didn't even know there was a difference between left-handed autumn blazes and right hand, but they do, so I learned. <laughs> they are the prettiest ones. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, they, it's and the most creative. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorites. And, and we've been recommending uh, the coffee the uh, uh, coffee tree mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a replacement tree. So I, I'm, I'm sure you gentlemen are familiar with the, uh, is it a, a Tennessee coffee? I'm sorry, it's. Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky coffee. <clears throat> anyway, they, they seem to have some good staying power here in Colorado now. Yeah. Especially the one called, I like the one called Espresso. Um, oh. It, it, it's podless. Right. And those, those regular Kentucky coffee trees, they can put on some really big pods. And oh, yeah. they're very decorative. I love the looks of them. Oh. Uh, they're I not do. as messy as a locust tree, but if you want something podless, get the variety called espresso. 
Well, and I suggested that to one customer, and they said no. It was—they were afraid it would keep them up all night. So, uh, <laughs> well, tell them not to not to plant the arabica one. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I can, okay. as a as yep. a individual here that has used Mordecai's in, uh, incredible services in the past on my own yard, uh, there his company is the only one I'll let on my on my property. Uh, as far as pr- trimming my trees and taking out anything that needs to be taken out, Mordecai, uh, stump remover, and daughter, him and Peter, uh, I tell you what, you can't you can't get a better team. Uh, they come in and they do a fantastic job, and I, I swear I I will come home at the end of the day after they've been on the property and wonder, you know, I look around on the ground and it's like when has, are they coming? When when are they coming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean nothing has been disturbed, well, which but, which I really appreciate. That is our goal, is to uh, work at a level of excellence, and, and it makes it so much easier on all of us, by the way, because if I look back at a job or any of my guys look back on a job and they say uh, it's not quite good there, we know what to do. Go back and take it to a level of excellence, and then we can leave. It's, mm-hmm. it's real simple. The simple business model we have, I answer the phone or I return the calls as quickly as I can. I say that when I'll show up, we'll show up, we do what we say we'll do, and then we thank the customer. Well, that's my entire business model. It's not taught at Harvard, by the way. <laughs> and, my, and my competition doesn't seem to understand it, and politicians think I'm gibberish whenever I say something like this to them because they don't even get a clue as to what that is all about. But uh, it just it simplifies my life to, to aim excellence and never settle for anything less. Well, Mordecai, you want to give us your telephone number so that our customers who need your services can give you a call. Oh, bless your heart. See, at my age, the fact that you think I can remember my phone number, oh, my God, thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, my phone number is 303-246-6891. It's 303, that's easy to remember. 246-6891. And we have operators standing up, standing by. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, we appreciate your call this morning. Is there anything else that you need to tell us about that uh, people should be looking at for this winter uh, to get done this winter? Just make sure those trees get some uh, get some water along the way. Uh, the surface uh, watering does definitely help and. Uh, and makes all the difference in the world. And you're 100% right when you talked about the autumn blazes. I haven't seen them go to the red this year. Uh, and, and I think I've seen one or two, but, uh, yeah, they, they just, uh, it's something's not, not working the way it normally does. They are, they are redder than I've ever seen them. <laughs> it's really amazing. Yeah. At least the ones in my neighborhood, that's for sure. Oh, in your neighborhood. Okay, good. Then I'll drive up there and get some. Thank you, gentlemen. You bet. You always make a day, and I always say nice things behind <clears> your back, and rarely to your face, but always. All right. <laughs> we'll do the same. Thanks, we'll, Mordecai. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, you bet. Okay, that was Mordecai with uh, Stump Removal <clears throat> and Daughter, the people who we recommend for uh, tree trimming as well as uh, stump removal. That's their specialty. Yep. They came and removed some stumps in our yard this mm-hmm. this summer. Did a good job. I mean, this it's almost as if there were never any trees there. 
Yeah, it's amazing what he can do. Yeah. He's got a bunch of different machines, different sizes to get through fences and up close to the house. And, you know, he has the right machine for the right job. He doesn't yeah. try to make one machine do everything. And these guys do a great job. I, I like I, I told him the last time they were out, I said, do you guys just float through the yard? <laughs> oh, hovercraft that get yeah, into I the mean, I don't. I didn't see a single grass blade out of place, let alone... Right. You know, plants crushed. I see that happen. All oh, my, my friend of mine who had a tree removed, they broke her deck. They broke her gate. They broke her fence. They did all kinds of damage to the yard. And, and then the plants. I mean, she had tree peonies that were six feet tall that are now, uh, now about six inches <coughs> tall. Oh, boy, that, you know, that's a loss. That is a huge loss. And it's just because they don't know what they're doing. But uh, stump removal and daughter with Mordecai or Peter, his partner, yeah. uh, in business there, they they do a fantastic job. I highly recommend them, and yeah. and they're reasonably priced. Yeah, and and they're good guys. I mean, they're they're fun to talk to. Mm -hmm. They'll talk your leg off, <laughs> and they charge by the by the job, not by the hour. Otherwise, I I, I couldn't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> they're very interesting people. Yeah, yeah, you'll enjoy talking. They to have them. good stories. Yeah. All right, let's see. Where are we going next? We're going to go to a break, and then we're going to come back and talk to Janice and Joe and Joe. Two Joes. All right, cool. Oh, two Joes for the price of one right here on Legends 810. Pumpkins, gourds, straw bales, winterizer for your lawn, insect treatment for your trees. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden on West Bowles Avenue in Littleton is the place to be to get everything you need for this time of year. Don't forget tree wrap for young, smooth-barked trees. There is a nice selection of pumpkins in a variety of shapes, sizes, and colors. All of them are locally grown, and most of them have character, not the peas in a pod you find at the chain stores. There are carving pumpkins, pie pumpkins, colored or Cinderella pumpkins, wee pumpkins, and Jack B. Little pumpkins. Also, of course, interesting ornamental gourds. Pick them out individually. Don't settle for a prepared bag. Bring the kids or grandkids and let them enjoy Jared's Galleria of Ghouls, Maze, and Corn Pit. There is no charge for these activities, and the kids love them. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden Center is a family-owned business serving you for 42 years at 10500 West Bulls Avenue in Littleton. Open 9 to 6 Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 Saturday and Sunday. We look forward to seeing you soon. And we are back. We are taking your phone calls because we have two of them online right now. Yes, we do. We're going to go out and talk <clears throat> to Janice about roses and bulbs. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Hi there. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you if there is an advantage with the dry season that we've had this fall, and I hear we're not going to get any more moisture before the end of the month, if the, it would help to um, fertilize my and water more my roses or maybe not water more, I've been cutting down a little bit, but my roses and my already planted bulbs, do they need fertilizer? Not this time of year. I mean, the I ones don't, that have been there for years. I, I wouldn't be fertilizing roses or bulbs this time of year. Uh, but the water is no? important. So get out there, and, and you can determine the frequency just by getting out there with your fingers and digging down in the soil and see what the moisture is like several inches down. And uh, if it's moist, you don't need to water. If it feels on the dry side, give it a good soak. The time to, wa the time to fertilize bulbs is when they have leaves. 
That's when they can oh, utilize the fertilizer. Okay, because I had always thought that when you when when you planted bulbs, you're supposed to put fertilizer in with them, correct? Well, or no? the, the old the old method is when you plant bulbs is to put some bone meal in the ground because of the phosphorus in bone meal. It's slow release, and phosphorus doesn't move around in the soil, so you want to put it down where the roots are going to be. But when the plant, right. but after that. You know, put it, sprinkling bone meal or superphosphate on the soil <coughs> surface really doesn't help them at all. Uh, what does help them is nitrogen. And that's when they're putting up their leaves, you give them a good dose of fertilizer that has some nitrogen to it, and that will help those leaves grow and rebuild the bulb to bloom the next year. Exactly what I needed to know. I knew you guys would know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. And I'll, I'll wait to fertilize my um, roses till spring. Yeah. Yes. Okay, thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks for calling, Janice. Bye. Yeah, that bone meal is not very dissolvable. In other words, it doesn't. You don't dissolve that in water and water in. And if you, and if it actually was dissolvable, that would be helpful because then you could get the phosphorus down where the roots are. And the same holds true for superphosphate. Oh yeah, absolutely. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't dissolve and, and, <coughs> and move percolate through the soil like say nitrogen. No. So the time to put superphosphate and phosphate, phosphorus of any sort, is when you're planting. Mm-hmm. Difficult to make changes after that. Because you want to get it down where the roots are going to be. <coughs> and that, that would be like spreading peat moss across your land and, and, and hoping that you can change your soil pH. <laughs> I'm sorry, people. It doesn't work that way. No. And, and those phosphorus sources, like uh, I know people who use oyster shell. Um, that's mostly for calcium, I suppose, though. But um, the bone meal and the superphosphate, it releases very, very slowly. <laughs> it's, it's based on the microbial activity in the soil to break it down and make it available to the plants. So yeah. it's a slow release. It takes years and years for it to, to completely dissolve or release. But, uh, yeah, it needs to be put in at planting time, not after. You have anything to add to that? I no, I'm just trying to think. Um, oyster shells is something I haven't heard about for a very long time. Um, and if you're using it around here, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Make it easy. <laughs> it would make a good mulch. It's a good looking mulch. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I know a lot of orchid growers that mix crushed oyster shell in with their planting mix. I'm not sure what that's providing. They say provides calcium. But there's not a whole lot of bacterial activity. Well, yeah, microbial just thinking activity in, the, in, in it, it, it does, but and of course, you're, it's an entirely artificial mix that you're going. Yeah, them in not in our native soil here. So yeah, it does, but and it's gritty, and supposedly that helps yeah. with the drainage. But you'd have to use it in a large enough volume yeah. for it to be. Yeah. Affecting drainage and at all? You know, if it makes you feel better, I go ahead and use it. But I don't <laughs> it's know an expensive addition, that's <laughs> yeah, for yes. sure. And it really shouldn't be. Well, no, there, you wouldn't. There are places so. on the coast that they have many feet of oyster shells <laughs> on the shores. Well, I'm, I'm sure that it's not the price of the oyster shell itself. It's the, the processing, the oh. bagging, and the shipping. Yeah, that's true. That adds to the cost. That that's where your major cost is. I keep thinking of these <coughs> indigenous people on the tip of Tierra del Fuego. Mm-hmm. One of their only foods were oysters and clams and such. Oh, yeah. And they have these, I guess they call them middens, where they 
hundreds of years are spent in the same place opening those things up and throwing the shells away. Yeah. And there's you know, many, many feet of, of shells there. I'll bet. I bet they have some good recipes over the <coughs> many years figuring out how to make them taste better. <laughs> I don't know what that would be because I don't know if they even had any containers of any sort. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, let's see. Let's get back out to this. Yeah. The phones here. We've got Joe in Lafayette wants to talk about <coughs> blueberries. My favorite subject. Good morning, Joe. Hi. I have a small blueberry plant that I bought a couple years ago. Put it in the ground. Uh, when I say small, it's like under a foot. And I put it in the ground. It just sat there and turned yellow. Mm-hmm. So I found an article online from CSU about the alkaline soils, and but maybe you could grow them in pots. So I put it into a pot that's about 16 inches wide and a little over a foot deep. Mm-hmm. And it is nice and dark green this year and even had a few little tiny blueberries. So as far as winterizing, one article said cover it with burlap. And I don't know if that's just the top sticking out of the ground or should I protect the whole pot down, you know, it the whole pot's above ground. So how should I protect it? Is it a decorative pot? It's just a plastic pot. Okay. Do you have a do you have a vegetable garden that's Yes. You got what I do with my uh some of my plants, I just did this about a week or so ago, is take that pot and take it over to the vegetable garden, dig a hole and bury it up to the rim of the pot. Okay. And then okay. keep it well watered, and and that's really all you should have to do. Uh, the that f- the 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 plant can it, it's fine above above ground as far as the stems and so forth. You don't need to cover it with burlap. Okay, so as long as the roots are protected, it, yes. it's gonna be okay. Yeah, and <coughs> that's then right. I added, you know, peat, and I even got this soil acidifier. Will that have to be added or more mixed into the soil every year? Uh, not necessarily, I wouldn't think, but you'd know about you would need to fertilize with an acid-producing fertilizer. Okay, okay, good. And then I, um, I try to grow gladiolus every year, and this year I had maybe two blossoms out of several bunches. So usually I just leave them in the ground and try to mulch well around them, but I'm, I'm going to try to dig them up. So... You can't just pull them up out of the soil. You've actually got to dig yeah, them, you right? Yeah, you'll have to dig them, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they're and not very the, deep, so. Yeah. And then just keep, like, in a garage in a cool place, but not freezing? Non-freezing, yes. Non-freezing. Do I need to wrap them up in anything to keep moist? Or? Not necessarily. Uh-uh. Not gladiolas, no. Okay. Any other hints about how to make them bloom? Because I've had beautiful ones years ago and then they just kind of well i would yeah i would ensure that you have a very well prepared soil the better the soil is prepared and i'm talking about putting organic matter in it yeah yeah, Uh, uh, you know a garden soil if you will a vegetable garden kind of soil okay and added compost add Mm -hmm. compost and i'm hoping that your gladiolus haven't become infected with a virus how does the foliage look during the summer is it is it normal looking or is it Kind of streaked and crippled and crinkled. Most summers it looks fine. This summer it was just, a lot of things were just pitiful. They didn't bloom like they should or they bloomed a little bit and blossoms dried up and just a lot of things. And I do water. But, um, no, I didn't notice anything really strange looking about the leaves. 
if but if it, I go ahead and dig them up and plant them again next year, then that'll yeah. tell me. <clears throat> yeah, or should well, I look at something on the bulb? Not necessarily on the bulb itself. Um, I think next year I would ensure that you're watering enough. And if you're okay. watering by hand, I can almost guarantee you you're not watering enough. Mm-hmm. So you want yeah, to get I a s- sprinkler system out there of some sort. Yeah, yeah, I do, and usually leave it 20, 25 minutes in, in mm-hmm. the flower bed. That may not be enough. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, again, I would check after you're done watering. You think, oh, boy, I'm good. I've done it for the week. I can go uh, you know, sort my socks or something. Uh, <laughs> take a trowel out there and dig down and see. How far did the water get down there? And you'll know how far you put the the bulbs in or the corms. And if it didn't get down to that depth, then you didn't water enough. And deeper because the roots are going to be below the corm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You Uh, bet. One last thing, Joe. Are you fertilizing them during the season? Um, A little miracle grow, but not any good serious yeah yeah i I would start doing that i suspect that your bulbs have gotten too small to bloom well i see so and you'll know that when you dig them up Uh well that's good to know okay thank you you bet thanks for calling and when you dig up those corms you'll find there's probably a thousand little cornlets yeah in the ground around the original bulb underneath the original bulb and those you can take and, and line them out in your vegetable garden or someplace and grow them on. Mm-hmm. And in two or three years, they'll you get blooms off them, too. But like Jim was saying earlier, um, what I see in mostly in gladiolas is after a couple of two or three years, their vigor declines. Yeah. And you'll notice that the foliage isn't as dark green. And it's not nice <laughs> and flat like it used to be. It's crinkled. And maybe streaked a little bit with a lighter green color or even yellow. And the flower spikes come up and maybe deformed or crippled in some way. The flower is open and they're streaked and they're not the color they should be. That's an indication that you have a virus. And there's no cure for that. The only cure is to throw those corms away and start with fresh ones. Virus or thrips. Or thrips. Thrips which are terrible with gladiolus. They are. And they carry a virus to the gladiolus. Yes. And during yes. their feeding, they transmit that virus into the plant, and then you're, do- you're done. Yeah, you're done. Then you have to throw them away. You can't, there's no cure for that. Mm-mm. And I've had number, numerous people tell me they've tried gladiolus, and the best year was the first year. The first year. Yeah. yeah and then clean. it declined from then on down. Yeah. All right, let's get back out to talk to Joe in Aurora about transplanting his trees before we get to the end of the hour here. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey! I was uh, just jumping back thinking about uh, the uh, swallows in Capistrano and uh, my helianthus that uh, has been growing for years in the yard are uh, on the same time schedule with a neighbor's helianthus that's like a quarter mile away, but I just kind of keep an eye on theirs. They both bloomed. They're all budding up and everything, but they both bloomed on the exact same day. Oh, I thought you were going to say they both migrated to Capistrano <laughs> on the same day. No, no, no. But I'm thinking maybe the swallows had something to do with that. Maybe oh, they were like, hey, yeah, maybe I see. It's time. Well, yeah, when the swallows <laughs> see I those, I don't hel- know. When those swallows see the those haleanthus starting to bloom, they know it's time to go. Yeah, that's that's the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In anyhow, it's not hey, a coincidence. I, 
it's not. It couldn't be. <laughs> and the the uh, oyster shell in the uh, in the orchids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, the way it releases is from the ice cubes when you water it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think there have been studies done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, I've I've got some trees that I'm going to have a tree spade service move. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy at the tree spade service said, well, we want to wait until they've kind of gone dormant for the for the fall and whatnot. I'm wondering, should I keep them well watered? Oh, yes. Should I let them dry down? Yeah, no. Well uh, watered. Keep okay. well watered. It'll make them easier to, to uh, put that tree spade into the ground. A sure. lot easier. And then the spot we're moving them to water the heck out of exactly. that now, you don't want to make it okay. a swamp, of course, but, yeah, well-watered. Okay. Um, yeah, it's sandy soil and part of the oil and, or part of the area and clay soil in one of the other areas, so um, it'll be a challenge to try and keep them the same. And then winter um, and watering then, is going to be really important, too, once they oh, get moved. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That'll, that'll be the fun part. Mm-hmm. But plenty of hoses. Yeah, um, you might even look at those tree bags, those tree gators that uh, people are putting on their trees to water them slowly uh, during non-freezing weather. <clears throat> right. Can I hold over? <laughs> there is no holdover. There is no holdover. Until <laughs> <laughs> next week? Nah. That's the end? That's, That's the end. We're done. End. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. So Thanks, guys. Go join the Bye. swallows. <laughs> okay. Okay. See you, Joe. <laughs> Have a good weekend. All right. It's that time of the of the show. We want to tell everybody thank you for listening and, and participating in the show. We certainly appreciate that. And as always, keep that shovel sharp and be careful where you dibble. You can listen to us again tomorrow, Sunday, 6 until 8 p.m. right here on the same station. And you'll repeat everything all over again. If you have more questions, why, save them until next week and bring them right back to us right here on Legends 810. The preceding program is sponsored by JK Communications.